Thank you for joining us today as Pastor Tim shares the Word of God. Our prayer is that your life will be touched by the Spirit of Almighty God and constant, powerful truths that can be applied to your everyday life. Let's join Pastor Tim with today's message. I want to welcome you to our wrap-up, our conclusion of a 16-week lesson, 16-lesson series that we have been in, taken from the book, The Roar of the Lion, The Church Awakes. It's been a great study. And um, to tell you the truth, I just I hate that this is, it's coming to an end for us. And if you missed any of these lessons, I want to encourage you to go back on podcast and hear this, go back and go over these lessons. I want you to keep this book handy uh, for you to refer to. It's vital. It's vital to our thinking uh, that, we, that we know what God says about this issue or that issue. Not what your favorite TV commentator says. Not what all the people down at work say. Not what your aunt or your uncle's opinion is. What does God say about the current issues of the day? What, is God, what does God think about this? I want to open our conclusion uh, with a quote. Robert Winthrop a lawyer and philanthropist who served as Speaker of the United States House of Representatives from 1847 to 1849. And I quote, The voice of experience and the voice of our own reason speak but one language, both united in teaching us that men may as well build their house upon the sand and expect to see them stand when the rains fall and the winds blow and the floods come as to found a free institution upon any other basis than that of morality and virtue of which the word of God is the only authoritative rule and the only adequate sanction. All societies of men must be governed in some way or another. The less they have of stringent state government, the more they must have of individual self-government. The less they rely on public law or physical force, the more they must rely on private moral restraint. Men, in a word, must necessarily be controlled either by a power within them or a power from without them, either by the word of God or by the strong arm of man, either by the Bible or the bayonet. It may do for other countries and other governments to talk about the state supporting religion. Here, under our free institution, it is religion which must support the state. Wow. I've read that over and over and over and over to myself. If your life personally, and if our nation corporately is not built on the morality and the virtue that comes from the Word of God, it's just like building a house on the sand, which is okay until the rain and the wind come. And the rain and the wind are going to come. I don't need God. I don't need the Bible. I can do my own thing. Well, you sure can. 
But here's what you need to know. The rain and the wind will come, and your house crumbles. All groups, all groups of people, all societies, anytime you have a group of people living next to each other, there, and, and I want to get this in our understanding, there is only one of two ways to govern or control people. You're going to control people by physical outward force or they're going to be controlled by private moral restraint. You're either going to know what to do on the inside of you or you're going to be forced into what to do. I want to make this very clear. You're controlled by a power within you or a power from outside of you. And to quote Winthrop and other leaders, it will be the Bible or the bayonet that's going to control you. Now, the concept of the separation of church in state. For our forefathers who came out from under 1,500 years of the state telling the church what to do. The state told the church what to preach, what to do, what to say, how to conduct itself. And our forefathers came here to separate the state from telling the church what to do. Our government does not tell us what to preach because we have a separation of church and state the church does not pay taxes, nor does the state tell the church what to do. But it has been reversed now, taking religion out of the state. And we can't operate like that. The state's got to stay out of telling the church what to do. But the church has got to provide the undergirding for our form of government to rest on. The people have got to be moral within themselves, and the only thing that makes people moral is the morality that comes from the Bible. Well, Tim, I don't believe that. I believe people can be moral without the Bible. Okay, what makes a person moral? Well, he doesn't lie. He doesn't commit adultery. He doesn't steal. It kind of sounds like three of the ten. And what makes a person moral is the teachings from the Bible. Whether you believe you got those teachings from the Bible or not, that's where they came from. The right to bear arms was never meant to provide you and I the ability to go hunting. The right for our citizens to bear arms is to arm every citizen in America in a way that it keeps a Hitler or Saddam Hussein or some dictator from overrunning our country and one person ruling us. The only way that can happen is when nobody in America has arms. And that's what is so vitally important about the Second uh, uh, Amendment, to keep our country free and to keep us... See, we got to... Oh, we got to get rid of the guns and everybody buys into it. We got to get rid of the guns and everybody buys into it. Then you got one guy with all the guns and you and I are at his mercy. And that's where other nations over the history of mankind have found themselves. For a free society that elects by the will of the people, our officials, 
They cannot force their will on the people by mass killings and by physical force. So people have to remain moral from within themselves for this free society to work. Morality is the only thing that keeps a free nation from being total chaos. Morality comes from the Bible. And we've seen this over and over and over again. When a country overthrows its dictator and you take out that physical force, then it is just a a zone of chaos because there is no biblical morality to control the population. Morality comes from the Bible, and it comes from not, oh yeah, the Bible, but no, it comes from the Bible being a higher authority in our life than all of us. Now, without that, you think it's wrong for me to come over and steal your TV when you're out of town. I think it's okay for me to come and steal your TV when you're out of town. Who is going to settle that? Well, the courts. Well, then I'll just elect another judge. See, there's got to be a law that's above what you think and what I think that we all have got to submit to for our form of government to work. But when you take this down, we have utter chaos in our existence. Now, let's just say that I want to steal everybody's purse and wallet that comes out of the mall. I can do that part of the time. Until a man comes that's bigger than me. So to take care of that problem, I get me some gang members. And so now we got a group of us that hang out in between the cars every night at the mall. And so when people come out of the mall, a bunch of us jump them and take their purse and their wallet. And we do that every day. Now there's only two, two options for people to come and go from the mall. There's only two options. Either we're going to have to hire police to stand there with their guns and escort people in and out of the mall, or we're going to have to convert the gang. Does that make sense to you? We're going to have to convert the gang and teach them biblical standards for living as they acknowledge Jesus as Lord of their life instead of their own feelings, their own whims, their own desires. Well, we don't have to lead people to the Lord. You can't hire enough police to guard every parking lot in this town. See, we depend. Now, we can hire a few police to control a few thugs. We can do that. But when the population has the Bible removed from them, we can no longer come and go like we go. Either the police are going to be Lord and dictate to you what to do, or Jesus is going to be Lord and dictate to you what to do. But everybody can't do whatever they want to do. Everybody can't do whatever they feel like, whatever whim they are, well, I feel like, well, I believe, well, I think we can't all operate like that. We just can't operate under a Bible-free society and remain a free nation. That's where we are. Now, when you have college professors that want to sleep with all the students, when you have lawmakers that want to lie and cheat to get reelected, when you have lawmakers that want to take bribes under the table, when you have 
college professors and lawmakers that want to live ungodly lives, then what we've got to do is get the Bible out of society so that we can do that. And that sounds great. In a college classroom, it sounds good. In Congress, let's get the Bible in church and get it out of public place. That sounds good in Congress. That'll work in the House. That will work in the Senate. So you do that. Now, what are you going to do out here in the city streets when everybody is choosing right and wrong for themselves? See, it sounds good for the college professor to tell you, you need to choose right and wrong for yourself. Morality is relative. Boy, that just, oh, wow. Okay, what does he do when everybody out there in the street chooses right and wrong for themselves? Where does that leave him at home at night? We hadn't thought this ideology all the way through as we're teaching this and voting for this. What are we going to do in the city streets? How are we going to handle junior high kids shooting and killing classmates? How are we going to handle a mad, fired employee that goes back to his place of work? How are we going to handle government leaders that lie under oath? See, while it sounds good in an area of academia, it won't work in everyday life. Take your car to get the oil changed to a Jiffy Lube. And they charge you for it. Did they change your oil? You don't know. You don't know. They charged you for synthetic oil, which is very expensive. Do you know if they put synthetic oil in it? Or do you know if they put the cheap oil in it and charged you for the synthetic oil? The only thing you can depend on is that guy's morality. That guy's ad personal adherence to a biblical standard. When you go out to eat, you have no idea what they did in the kitchen to your food. You don't know. Well, Tim, we have inspectors checking. Well, we don't have enough police checking every restaurant, every meal. We don't have inspectors checking every oil change. When the inspector comes, they put synthetic oil in it. But as soon as he leaves, they dump the cheap used burn oil in it and charge you for the expensive oil. We can't operate like this. Everywhere you are all the time, every day of our life, we depend on biblical thinking. And our nation is quickly getting away from that. And my motive, my drive in everything that I am now doing is to turn us back to biblical thinking because I see the end result of this. I don't see it because I'm a prophet. I see it because I watch the news. I'm not far outlandish and I'm not a religious zealot over here. I happen to watch the news every night and I see what happens to inner city streets when you pull biblical morality out of it. I see what's happening and there are now places I wished I could say in the streets of Chicago, but in the streets of Little Rock, that the police don't go at night. They wait till it gets daylight, and then we go in here and pick up the carnage. But we're not going down there in the middle of the night. It's unsafe. How do you, what are we going to do about that? There's only one answer. It's conversion. It's conversion of the heart and the submission of another Lord beside your will and your desire at the moment. 
Because throughout the days, I have whims, I have desires, I have passions. I, I look over there and I see that money in the cash register and I just reach over there and get me some. That girl is a whole lot smaller than me and what's she going to do about it? I've got to have a Jesus is Lord in my heart for us to coexist. I understand you feel this way. I don't doubt you want it. I don't doubt, well, I believe in my, I don't doubt that you believe that. I understand you were born with this instinct. I understand you were born with this tendency, but we can't live allowing everybody to do whatever their born tendencies are. It won't work. The Bible is above each of us and we submit our lives to the lordship of Jesus. Robert Winthrop knew in the 1800s that we cannot hire enough police to protect every classroom, every retail parking lot at night, every restaurant cooking your food, every oil change, quick lube, every office, everywhere people are every day in a free country, we cannot police that. We have to infuse America with biblical thinking. And that has become my drive in these last few years of this church. That's become our drive. What does God say? Well, I believe, I believe, let's just get two or three people on TV at news at night and let's let them argue and debate over what they believe. I don't care what they believe. What does God say that he will bless? And what does God say that is under a curse? And I choose to live the way I will be blessed and I choose to walk away from the way I will be cursed regardless of what this guy says or this girl says, or are you kidding me? We've got to submit to the lordship of Jesus in our thinking. This book that I wrote and we have been studying the past 16 weeks, The Roar of the Lion, The Church Awakes, it, it's, it's, for those who have read it, it's really not a book. It's just a compiling of 14 sermon notes on some of the leading issues of our day. And it is written and put together for pastors, for leaders. It is written for those that are called into the ministry to use this as a guide in helping answer questions and lead people's thinking. Let me just make a side note for those who are new in this church. The Bible says every believer is called into full-time ministry. Every believer is a minister. Every believer is called into full-time ministry, and just as I minister from behind this pulpit, you minister from behind a hammer and a saw, or behind the wheel of a truck, or behind an office desk, or by each one of us has an area of influence that we are called to bring biblical thinking into that area. Every one of you has a friend on the phone that you talk to. And as your friend is ranting and raving, it is your turn then to interject, yes, but what does God say about that? Yes, but what does God think about that? Wherever you are each day, as you are fulfilling your calling, serving people with the giftings that you have, this book is for all of us. You and I are to guide people's thinking into how does God 
think about this question, this issue, this situation. And throughout your day, you will hear, well, I think, what do you think about so What do you think about, I tell you, I can't believe what, you hear that all throughout the day, and that is your opportunity to interject biblical thinking. This book is just a guide. These little short chapters to help you answer many of today's issues that you have been called on each and every day to address. We've got to keep ourselves and keep America blessable. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is alive. It is powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. We got to understand what the Bible is. It's not a Sunday school text for Sunday morning only. It's not just some reading material. It exposes our inner thoughts and our inner desires. I want to make sure that our church knows 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. It teaches us what is true. It makes us realize what is wrong in our lives It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. I don't care what your favorite talk show host thinks. I'm not interested in what you heard on TV or what you read. The Bible teaches me what is true, and it corrects me when I'm wrong. It teaches me what to do, and it shows me what not to do. John 17, 17, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Verse 1, if you fully obey the Lord your God and careful to keep all of his commandments that I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the world. You will experience all of these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction. They will scatter you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he has given you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with children, livestock, abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in heavens and will bless the work you do. You will lend to many nations. You will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always be on top and never the bottom. You will not turn away from the commandments I'm giving you today or follow after other gods and worship them. There is a place that you live that the blessings of God are just on you. Your 
life works. I don't believe I got to go to church. I ain't going to listen to all that. Well, watch. Your life is not working. Now, I don't know when you wake up and figure out everything I have been involved in has crumbled. My life is not working for me. There are not lucky and unlucky people. There are people that live in a way that God's blessings are on them and life works. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and don't obey all the commands and the decrees I'm giving you today, these curses overwhelm you. you got to understand, obedience to God allows you to be blessed. And we've got such a wrong concept that God and the Bible are trying to ruin my fun. I want to get out and live a little. I want to have some fun. I want to experience life. Understand that if the devil did not paint a pretty picture, he would not get any followers. Understand disobedience to God always looks fun. It always tastes good. It always feels good to disobey God. But it brings a lifestyle of destruction that you live in every day of your life. And many of us have lived there. When you get your life obedient to God. And obedient to God's words, blessings are open in your life. It talks about windows of heaven being open, blessings being poured out in your life that you cannot contain. And here's what I want you to know. Regardless of if it gets on the ballot and we legalize it or not, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. I don't care if it's legal or not. The Supreme Court does not put me in a position for God to bless me or under the cursings of God. And here's what I want you to know. Gambling is legal. That is a legal activity. And I never gamble. I'm not ever going to gamble. I'm not going to bet on a horse, nor am I ever, not ever going to buy a lottery ticket. Because God does not bless the desire to get without you giving. See, gambling is a desire to get with me giving nothing to anybody. But when you fix somebody's roof, whenever you fix somebody's leaky pipe, when you fix somebody's car, when you do, when you do something for somebody, then you are then blessed. And that's the avenue that God has in mind. And when you interrupt that, you put yourself in a very bad position. And here's the reason that I don't buy a lottery ticket. I don't want to lose. And you lose either way. Do you understand that? If I don't win the ticket, then I have lost my money. If I win the ticket and I get money that I did not first, see, it's in giving that you receive. And if I get money without giving and helping anybody else, then I will bring destruction on my life. 
So I'm going to lose whether I lose or I'm going to lose whether I win the ticket. So I never gamble because it interrupts the plan and the principle of God for my life. You put yourself in a position to be abundantly blessed. I want you to see 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Write this down. Loving God means keeping his commandments. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3. Loving God means keeping his commandments. I, I will never understand pastors on TV. Preach the love of God and how God loves us and then they stand up and vote against his commandments. Now, I'll never get that. I'll never understand a church who preaches about loving God and then supports and endorses what God says he hates. I'll never get that because 1 John 5, 3 says, loving God means keeping his commandments. Psalms 107, verse 20. He sent his word, and it healed them. Now listen to this. He sent his word, and it healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. When I got a hold of the word of God in my life, it delivered me from the destruction that I was going to take my life down. Do you understand that? How many know exactly what I'm talking about? Your life was headed down the path of destruction. It was destroying your home, your family, your marriage, your kids, your finances, your own health, your own peace, your own sanity. Your life was headed in the path of destruction. It says, he sent his word and it healed them and delivered them from their destruction. The word of God will deliver you from your destruction you turn to Psalms 119. I've loved this 16-week study from this book. The church corporately made up of each one of us individually has got to wake up and we've got to teach to our co-workers, to our family, to our children, to individuals. We've got to teach what brings blessings to our individual lives, to our families, and to our community. Go over and over the biblical thinking that we've explained in these 14 chapters in this book. And don't let what we've talked about in these last 16 weeks go in one ear and right out the other. Our lives depend on submission to biblical thinking and the blessings of God in our life. I want to end this study with Psalms 119, and, and I practice reading the whole chapter, and I just don't read very good. I want you to read this whole chapter. I want you to read the whole chapter of Psalms 119, either tonight or in the morning in your Bible study. Read Psalms chapter 119. Read it slow, and think about each sentence in this chapter. I want to read verse one, uh, 129. Your laws are wonderful. No wonder I obey them. God's laws are not to ruin your life. The teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. I pant with expectation, longing 
for your commands. We've got such a negative idea of God's commands. They're not meant to destroy your life. They're meant to bring life to your life. Come and show me your mercy as you do for all who love your name. Guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by evil. Ransom me from the impression of evil people. Then I can obey your commandments. Look upon me with love. Teach me your decrees. Rivers of tears gush from my eyes because people disobey your instructions. O Lord, you are righteous, and your regulations are fair. Your laws are perfect and completely trustworthy. I'm overwhelmed with indignation, for my enemies have disregarded your words. Your promises have been thoroughly tested. That is why I love them so much. I'm insignificant and despised, but I don't forget your commandments. Your justice is eternal, and your instructions are perfectly true. As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. Y'all stand with me. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for sending your word. Lord, forgive us for overlooking your word. Forgive us for the ways that we have rejected your word. Lord, your word is a joy to our life. It brings peace to our minds. Direct and guide us as we live our life in obedience to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you have been blessed, encouraged, and motivated by today's message. If you are interested in more messages by the pastors at CM Church, please log on to our website at www.cmchurch.com and click on our podcast link. You can also purchase series and other messages at our online store.